Welcome to the Hang'em Up Sports Report podcast, where you get your weekly dose of sports updates, news, analysis, opinions, facts, and more, all in 15 minutes or less. As always, make sure you hit that follow and subscribe button to make it easier to tune into future episodes on this podcast. All right, let's start off with some NFL championship game reviews. Listen, if you tuned into my episode last week, you would know that my predictions were terrible. I'm going to say that up front right now. They were horrendous. But that's what happens in professional sports. That's the same reason why I don't sports bet. Anything can happen. Um, You know, I took the Chiefs or I took the Bills, I should say. Sorry. I took the Bills and the Packers to win. Neither of those teams won. We have a Bucks and Chiefs Super Bowl, and I just want to talk about the Bills game just briefly, just because it was underwhelming to say the least. I thought it was going to be exciting. I thought it was going to be a duel between Mahomes and Allen, Josh Allen. It ended up being just the Patrick Mahomes show. Um, his status was uncertain. It looked pretty bad when he went out against the Browns, but he didn't miss one beat. Mahomes looked like Mahomes usually does week in and week out. Tyreek Hill, one of the fastest men on this planet, absolute cheat code, made Tredavious White look absolutely lost out on that field. And it's not all on Tredavious White, just the Bills defense didn't have any answers for the Chiefs at all on Sunday. Now, that game didn't shock me too much. Um, I took the Bills in a close game in my prediction, but the Chiefs winning didn't shock me at all. What did shock me was the Buccaneers-Packers game. I didn't think the Buccaneers had any shot at winning this game. The Packers had every single advantage they could have possibly had going into this game. Now, I'm going to sit here and take this moment to give Brady his credit. I got to give credit where credit's due. His 10th Super Bowl at the age of 43, he beat... Two great quarterbacks to reach this Super Bowl. Future Hall of Fame quarterbacks alongside him, Drew Brees and and Aaron Rodgers. That's impressive. He had a great first half. He got a little stagnant. The whole Buccaneers offense got a little stagnant in the second half. And he threw three picks in a row. Mike Evans had a drop. Usually those go on the quarterback that throws a little high. It could go either way. But let's take a look at the Packers in this game. I want to analyze the Packers side of this game because they put out one of the worst performances you could have possibly threw out there when you had everything working for you. Plenty of blame to go around. Aaron Jones did not play well. Aaron Rodgers played one of the worst games this season. The coaching staff, just some boneheaded decisions, and the Packers O-line not helping out Aaron Rodgers whatsoever. Now, listen, the Packers made this game close in the second half. They caught up. It was 28 to 10. They caught up. Let's let's look at the fourth quarter. The Packers are down 31 to 23 with 222 left on the clock. Critical. Down by 8. The Packers are on the Buccaneers 8-yard line. It's first and 8. Now, my thinking, if I'm the head coach, I run it on first and eight. 
maybe gain two or three yards, let's say second and five with a two-minute warning. You got to eat some clock. Tom Brady is on the other sideline wanting the ball. You can't give him too much time. Run the ball. No, they pass incomplete second and eight. They pass again. Third and eight, incomplete. This third and eight play is crucial. Aaron Rodgers, if you look back and watch this tape, I highly encourage you to do so if you didn't get to see this play. Aaron Rodgers had one of the clearest paths to a touchdown you probably could ever have in that situation. All he had to do was hit the hole, run it into the side, touchdown, then go for two. Could be a tie game. No, he decides to throw it into double coverage to Devontae Adams, incomplete, fourth and eight. All right, Matt LaFleur. I understand what this guy, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, was trying to do. He went for the field goal instead of going for on fourth and eight. That's a, that's a fine strategic play when you want to play the timeout game and let your defense do the work, but not against playoff Tom Brady. You cannot leave it up to your defense to get a stop and use all three timeouts wisely with a two-minute warning against Tom Brady. It'll burn you every single time, and it did. The defense couldn't stop Tom Brady. There was a controversial interference, however you want to call it. Personally, he was grabbing the guy's jersey. I thought that was interference. Could have gone either way, but that's just a terrible head coaching decision in a crucial situation in a playoff game when you know the opposing quarterback is Tom Brady. Can't do that. Seriously, plenty of blame and accountability to go around for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers played pretty horrendous. O-line didn't help him, like I said. Coaching staff boneheaded decision. And defense, really, I mean, they stepped it up in the second half, I guess. But they couldn't get the job done in the end. And they had a weak sh- first uh, first half showing. Roger's status is going to be interesting. He looked pretty defeated post-game. He alluded that he didn't know. He was uncertain of his future in Green Bay uh, this coming offseason. So that's something to watch out for. And the Buccaneers and Chiefs Super Bowl is set. I'm excited for this one. Brady versus Mahomes. Two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks facing off. Yes, I said it. If you see the vision, Mahomes is on the way. Brady is probably one right now. Number one, best of all time, greatest of all time, whatever you want to say. But Mahomes is on his way and you can make the case. Honestly, I'll say it right now. When it's all said and done, Mahomes number one, Brady number two. I think Mahomes is that special. I think he has a lot of uh, work left to do in this league. And I'm excited for that game. Tune into next week's episode. I'll have a guest on. We'll be talking about the NFL draft coming up, plus the Super Bowl and giving our predictions. That should be a fun one. But I'm excited for it. And there's the Super Bowl. Let's talk UFC 257 main event. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. This was a rematch between the two. The first fight being in 2014, where Conor McGregor beat Poirier via TKO a minute and change into the first round. This time, Dustin Poirier defeats McGregor via TKO 28 seconds into the second round. Now, 
When looking at this fight, in round one, McGregor looked really sharp. He managed to escape an early takedown that Poirier had landed. And after he got, you know, after the two pretty much got back on their feet and started exchanging punches, McGregor looked solid. He was landing a lot of punches. He had Poirier looking a little timid, and he had him going on the defense. Now, what I wanted to say, what was going, obviously, now that the fight's all said and done, what was going pretty much unnoticed to the common viewer were the leg kicks, the excruciating leg kicks that Poirier was landing on McGregor's leading calf. Now, McGregor's a southpaw, so his stance naturally is going to be his right leg in front uh, so he can land those lefty punches. But Poirier was pretty much exposing that leg from the jump. And he even said that was going to be his plan from the start. And he was executing those leg, leg kicks early and often. And McGregor did a poor job checking those kicks, which ended up obviously coming back to haunt him. And he even stated that he at one point, lost all mobility in that lead leg during the fight in his post-game interview. So essentially, when Poirier broke down those leg kicks in his post-game interview or post-fight interview, he essentially said that McGregor wasn't turning his leg properly to check those kicks. So instead of having shin-to-shin contact, which is what McGregor would have preferred, Poirier was landing those kicks clean, connecting on the muscle part of McGregor's calf. And Poirier explained the whole science between why you'd rather have shin-to-shin contact versus direct calf muscle contact. I'm not going to get into all that. All you need to know was that as soon as McGregor lost mobility in that leg in the second round, Poirier took advantage, landed a few strikes, knocked Conor McGregor down, and it was all over from there. Um, the fight got stopped. Now, McGregor looked, or I should say McGregor blamed this loss primarily on his recent inactivity from the sport. But a few people didn't shy away from taking shots at him on Twitter after the fight. And honestly, that's what's going to happen when you play the villain in you know this fight game that McGregor does, like McGregor does, you're going to have people coming after you if you lose. So Khabib went to Twitter after the fight and essentially tweeted out that, quote unquote, this is what happens when you abandon the team that made you a champion and start sparring with high schoolers. You know, I take it for what it is. I'm not sure if that's actually true, if you switch teams or not. But that's what Khabib's input was. And Jake Paul had a lot of trolling to do. There was a lot of memes out there uh, with Conor McGregor's picture on it when he was on the ground and next to Nate Robinson on the couch. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Jake Paul's been trying to set this fight up with McGregor for a long time. That's bait. I hope McGregor isn't stupid enough to take that. That would be, honestly, that would be a little blemish on his career. He would win it easily, but there's no point in taking that fight right now, especially when you're on back-to-back losses to Khabib and Poirier. Um, McGregor promised he would be back in the ring during his post-fight interview. 
But a lot of people remain skeptical to see if we'll ever see, you know, McGregor back in full form in the octagon. In my opinion, in my analysis, McGregor took this loss with a lot of class and dignity. He looked physically and morally defeated after the fight. It remains to be seen what his future in the sport holds. You know, he's 32 years old now. Poirier's also 32. Um, but like I said, McGregor just looked defeated morally and physically. Um, you know, and, and a lot of controversial things have happened throughout McGregor's rise to fame. It came with a lot of distractions. It came with a, a few cases of legal trouble. It's very hard to judge someone's performance and their next steps without actually fully like knowing what they're dealing with in their personal lives and outside uh, and, and outside off time outside of the ring. So I hope McGregor is able to get it together. I think the UFC community could collectively agree that it would be great to see him back out there in full strength. Honestly, he's been like the lone ranger carrying the sport for the last few years. And it would be pretty sad to see him go out and end his career this way. There's still a lot of question marks to be seen about what happens next. McGregor said that he wants a trilogy. He wants that third fight with Poirier. I'm sure Poirier would want to take that too. I think I saw him hold up one and one, indicating that they have one more fight left to decide who wins this series. So that would be exciting. I don't know. No one knows what McGregor's timeline is. He, in my personal opinion, he needs to take some time off. He needs to reevaluate and he needs to get his mind together and come back into the ring stronger than ever. And yeah, that was an exciting fight. Uh, I'm happy for Dustin. That was a great win for him. And like I said, thank you guys for tuning into this podcast. That's all I have for this week. As I mentioned earlier, make sure you hit that follow button to not miss out on any future episodes. Next week, especially, I'll have a guest. You'll be getting some new perspectives on the topics we'll be covering. Don't miss out. Hit that follow button. See you all next time.